Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Welcome to number one of a two-part series on an old man's advice in the times of trouble. This is David in Psalm 37 talking to us and simply says, I once was young, now my old, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. We need old people around, those who have been through the problems to tell us what's coming in the days to come. Save us a lot of time. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome back again to Student of the Word. Glad to have you here with us today. And if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to take a look at verses 38 through 41. And while you're finding that, I just want to mention some great things we have going on here and uh, books and all the different things. In fact, for one of the books, I just got a, a praise report about it. And Vince says, thank you, Bob. I bought your book, The Grace of Healing, and it's a great book. I highlighted and underlined a lot that's in it. I'm going to read it several times. Thank you for writing the book. And again, that's a book on the grace of healing. Most books I have written and have read before in the past on healing usually deal with faith. That's on your side. But I thought, what good is faith if God doesn't have grace to begin with? I couldn't receive salvation if he didn't offer it freely, and neither can I receive healing. God offers it to me free. So anyway, he's commenting on the book, and that's one you'll find on my website. For this particular one that I'm doing right now, I'm using Leadership Secrets of David the King because today we're going to talk about what David had to say in the book of Psalms about growing old and his advice for young people and his comments and just his wisdom being poured out to us. And so we're going to talk about the advice of older people today. So look with me here at 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to talk to you about Elisha was the man that had the school of the prophets. Unlike Elijah, Elijah had a prophet, a prophet's ministry to the nation. And Elisha, that was more secondary to him. His first ministry was to the school of the prophets. And he had a great desire to raise up a number of prophets for the next generation coming. We have that today. In fact, you'll find many times that those who run Bible schools for Bible students literally came out of the ministry and have left uh, a ministry to a state or to a city or to other things, and even nationwide or literally worldwide ministries to go at the end of their life and just instruct others because you realize something. If I go to minister to people out here, they get healed, delivered, it's wonderful. But here I'm raising up 100, 200, 300 of myself to get my ideas into them, my vision into them, and they can take it. And these ministers will be going into the next generation and some into the generations after that. So again, this is what we have here with Elisha. Elisha had a ministry mainly to the school of the prophets. In fact, it's interesting, they hid and watched him as he was growing and maturing under a Elijah. And then whenever Elijah would be taken into heaven, these sons of the prophets knew it was going to happen, but they wanted to see if that ministry was really going to be turned over to Elisha or not, because they were out there thinking, I'm in school. Elisha is not. I've gone through the courses. Elisha has not. Elisha's just hung out with Elijah. We actually have gone and got theology, might even had a degree in their hand. But whenever Elijah was taken into heaven, of course, his mantle fell down and landed on Elisha because God's best training is standing beside somebody. Nothing wrong with Bible school. It's excellent things, but a lot of the things you learn in Bible school is good philosophy. It's good thoughts. It might come out later on. 
But what you learn standing next to people is how to deal with people. And Elisha had that far ahead of those guys that were in that field watching. Some 50 sons of the prophets were out there watching as the mantle fell from heaven, as Elijah was taken into heaven, and that mantle fell on Elisha. He picked it up and hit the river Jordan with it. And where Elijah left off the parting of the Jordan River, Elisha picked up with the parting of the Jordan River and went back over the other way, entering back in and finishing and completing Elijah's ministry. So there we have it. But now that Elisha has the sons of the prophets, this is what we're dealing with here. In 2 Kings chapter 38 through 41, and here it says, Elisha returned to Gilgal and there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophet were sitting before him and he said to the servant, put on a large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered it in a lap full of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. Then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, man of God, there is death in the pot and they could not eat it. So he said, bring some flour. The Hebrew word here actually means a uh, meal and it could be ground corn meal or some other type of meal because wheat was very expensive back in those days. And most commentators agree this was probably some kind of corn meal. But he, brought, he came and brought some uh, cornmeal and he put it into the pot and said, serve it to the people. So they, they ate and there was nothing harmful in the pot. I know this story doesn't sound like a lot and probably by the time you've come to the end of it, you go, well, that's great. What the heck are we talking about? What's this story all about? Is this just something to fill up a space in the Bible? The answer is no. I believe this has a lot to say to us today because I want you to notice it began with in verse 38, there was a famine in the land. We may not have a physical famine in the land now. It may not be meat or corn or the physical food we eat, but there's a spiritual famine in this land. And there's a lot of ministers out there today who are running out into the fields and collecting uh, ministers' uh, sermons. They're getting them off the internet. They're getting from other places. And they don't know a lot of times that these things are poison because they haven't had enough foundation in the word of God to detect right from wrong, from error, from what is correct in the word of God. And so they come back and put it into the pot of stew and feed it to the people. And all of a sudden they realize one day they're now serving poison to the people. But I want you to notice who it was that turned it around. They cried out to the old man, thank God for an old man that's around, uh, you know, from time to time. And so since Elisha was around, they yelled out to him and he didn't even get upset about it. It's not like he said, well, it serves you right or chew them out. He just simply went over and threw cornmeal into it. I can tell you this is what this is what it stands for is the cornmeal stands for just the basics of the word of God. This is just basic doctrine. And he threw some basic doctrine and healed the whole pot. What the nation needs today and what the world needs today is the basics of the word of God, redemption, justification, these things that just everything revolves around, those themes that are found throughout the word of God. He picked that up and notice this, he doesn't answer exotic doctrine with exotic doctrine. He answered exotic doctrine with cornmeal. He threw something in that was so simple and it healed the pot. And then they went on after that and they served it to the people and there was nothing harmful in the pot. This is what keeps error out of a church is if you keep going back to basics. It's all right to get into some new things are being taught today, but to weigh it in line with the reveals word of God is important for us to do it, especially if you're a young minister out there, or even if you just teach in a church and happen to have a Sunday school class, or you happen to have a, you know, a home cell group, or just happen to have an evening class. It's so important that again, what you teach, the main thing 
things you teach are the basics of the Word of God. In other words, cornmeal. It doesn't look flashy. It doesn't have a lot of great things to it. But whenever the sermon is over, whenever the lesson is over, people walk out and they'll say, goodness, I've never heard it like that. And that's because real doctrine from the Word of God is so rarely taught in churches today. And usually you'll find it from an older man who's teaching, but the people are so well-grounded in that church, have very little fear of what's coming on the horizon, especially the day we are living in. And so this is the story here we're talking about. I want you to go with me to 1 Kings chapter 12. I'm going to take you another story. And this happens to be the story of Solomon's son named Rehoboam. And of course, you know, Solomon took over the throne after David died, and he had it for many many, many years. And as he's dying now, he's asked the Lord who to replace him. And so he calls in Rehoboam. I'm not real sure the Lord told him to get Rehoboam, but he's the one that he chose him. And so often in ministry or in passing down of the throne to a king, it goes to the sons. And sometimes the sons or the daughters themselves are not qualified for it. And what God wants in the pulpits today of churches and in leadership are those that are qualified because they understand the word, and are very well accustomed to taking the cornmeal of the word of God and teaching the basics. I've noted this. So often sermons today are really just, they're, they're life lessons and they'll pick something out of life. Like they'll talk about getting along with your kids and they'll bring in some scripture to support it. But the main subject of the sermon is, you know, getting along with your kids or getting along with your wife or being okay at the job and accepting responsibility. All these things are fine, but they should be sub points and not just the main point of the sermon. But what I'm saying here is if you teach the word of God from the doctrine that's there, you take the scripture, you unfold it, it comes up with something different. If what you're teaching is say, how to get along with your kids, and you bring in scripture on that, some things to support, everybody walks out with the same thought, this is how I handle my kids. But what about older people if the kids are gone? What about grandfathers and grandmas or kids are gone? Maybe they babysit once in a while, but they have some application for it. But when you take the word of God and you expose it and you pull it apart, Everybody gets something different. People can walk out from a sermon that you've taught on getting along with your kids. They all have the same idea walking out. They all say, I've learned how to get along with my kids. But when you open up the scripture and you begin to teach it line upon line, precept upon precept, take a verse of scripture, break it apart and show what it means. And then during that time, bring and get along with your kids. The revelation of the Holy Spirit's hit everybody different. I've walked out of a service before and people come up to me and say, Pastor, let me tell you what I got out of that message. And they'll tell me, I'll smile and nod and think, that's not at all what I talked about. How did you get that out of what I taught on? And the Holy Spirit reminds me that if you teach his word, he can split it up 4,000 different ways to 4,000 different people that were attending that day. They don't all get the same thing. This is why it's so important, again, that you teach the basics of the word of God. And now in this passage, again, Solomon has handed the kingdom down to Rehoboam. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 12, let's take a look at verses 6 through 11. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon. He brings in the old men. Notice they're called elders. He brings in the old men that were still alive and served under Solomon. And he said to them, how do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him. These were his friends 
who stood before him. He said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer the people who have said to me, lighten the load which your uh, father put on? In other words, Solomon, toward the end of his reign, just increased taxes hugely. Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him saying, thus you shall answer the people who have spoken to you saying, your father made your yoke heavy. Say to them, my little finger will be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to that yoke. My father chastened you with whips and I will chasten you with scourges. And the Hebrew word here is scorpions. In other words, you think my dad was bad, I'm going to be worse. And Rehoboam was so bad that the whole kingdom split in two. There were 10 tribes that went south, two tribes that went north. And these that were separated were the ones that followed after the Lord. And the 10 that separated, just literally he was over them, but he had a split kingdom after that. What happened was when the kingdom split is it was split all the way down till the time when even later in the Old Testament, the nation remained split. And it was because of a young person, a young man getting in there, bringing up young thoughts, young ideas, and turning down the advice of old people. Listen, I can tell you this, if you're young and you're saying, you know, as I get older, I'm going to get wiser. Why not go to some old people now and hurry the process up? You don't have to ask them for their ideas on certain things. Just ask them for advice and say, what did you do when you were my age? And you'll get advice from the word of God and you'll hear things and you go, that's really good because you do need their counsel. I'll see you right after the break. Godly promotion seems always to come in steps. Slow growth allows us to learn valuable lessons on the way up. So once we reach the top, we can stay there and truly enjoy the benefits of success. It took many years from the time that David was anointed king until he became king of Israel. Those who advance too quickly because of their own efforts and talents often find the descent quicker than the ascent. Pastor Bob Yandian has based this book, Leadership Secrets of David the King, on Psalm 131, which reveals the secrets of David's successful leadership that he learned while ruling as king over Israel. To order The Leadership Secrets of David the King, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
The book that's being offered is Leadership Secrets of David the King, and there are four points that David brings out as an old man telling the nation and telling the people that have been following him for so long, four simple points of which he followed while he was uh, leading the people, the nation of Israel. And so it'll be a great thing for you. Really, it's a business type book. It's a leadership book. And if you have a business that you're a leader of or even have a class, just anyone with responsibility, this will help you immensely in winning the hearts of people over, plus being a great leader found from the word of God. You know, there's a story in the New Testament when uh, uh, Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary, uh, when Jesus was uh, was eight days old, it was time to get him circumcised, and the Old Testament tells us what to do. And so they read it, and three times it is told us that they went to the they went to the temple on the eighth day to have Jesus circumcised, and it brings it out three different times because it was written in the law, written in the law of Moses, written in the Old Testament. And while they came there, there was a man named Simeon who was a prophet, and it said he came daily to the temple, but he arrived there three times, it says, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Three times, it says, of the, of the leadership of the Word of God. That's how Mary and that's how Joseph came to the temple. But also it says three times that Simeon came by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and guess what? They both arrived at the same place at the same time because the word and the spirit agree. And so Simeon blessed him and said, now I can go to be with the Lord because I've waited to see the prophet of Israel. I've waited to see the Messiah of Israel come and now I've seen him with my own eyes. Then a woman named Anna that it said there in that verse of scripture, she lived in the temple. She was an old woman and she also was looking forward to the seeing the one that was born, the Messiah, and she knew she would see him before she died. And so she was there already. She came and prophesied over uh, Joseph and Mary, and then again ministered about Jesus to them. And then eventually she went on to be with the Lord, but she lived there. You know, it's interesting to note that they were young people coming to the church, coming to the church to get what was supposed to be done, such as a water baptism or something like that, or a baby dedication. But they came for that and they met two old people who prophesied over them. And I can just tell you this, Older people love the church. In fact, we found with Simeon, he came there every day. But we found with Anna, she lived there. I can tell you the older I get, the more I just would like to be at church. I really don't care about the things I used to care about. And the older I get, people say, well, you this and you know, you're not working as much right now. You could travel a lot and see places. And I have to honestly admit, there's nothing else I wanna see. I think I've seen most things I want to see. I know there's things I haven't seen, but I think I want to come back after the rapture and come back in a resurrection body and not have to wait in airports and not have to have canceled flights and all those things. I'll just go there and go there and see these things and really flit to any end of the universe I want to. But the older I get and the closer to death I get, I just want to go to church. You know what? Church is my halfway house, halfway between earth and heaven. And you can tell me things are going on in the world today and how great things are over here and some beautiful places to go see. Just show me pictures or I'll go find a video on YouTube about it or something. But the point of it is I love going to church, loving being around people, love being around people my age, older people, but I also enjoy being around young people, teaching classes with young people present and giving them the advice and giving them the ideas and stuff that God has given 
for me. In other words, old men are needed for counsel and wisdom and finances. I say old men, that's older people. And those who have followed the Lord for years, they're needed for counsel, for wisdom, and especially their finances too, because you know, a lot of an older age have the finances to give to the kingdom of God. And so churches often wanna get rid of old people and just have young people there. And they're always having to raise money for this or that and don't realize you need the wisdom of old people. You need the faithfulness of old people at the church, but you also need their finances. And so the thing about wisdom that you need is you need older people's wisdom, but you don't need their ideas. Their ideas are for the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, but you know what? What you need from them is the wisdom they have gained through the years. This is what Psalm 37 is going to be. This is what we'll discuss for the rest of this particular broadcast and then also into tomorrow, Psalm 37. And it's an old man's advice for troubled times. In David's later years, he wrote this Psalm and David is old while he's writing it, but he's gonna look backward and then he's gonna look forward. And he's gonna talk about as he looks back the things he has learned and as he looks forward the things from the past that he's learned, he's going to apply toward those things because I can honestly tell you there's a lot of things in life that change, but there's also a lot of things in life that do not change. And being able to look forward and gain from your experiences in the past and also gain from the word of God, things you have gone through, people you have met, and things you have happened, experienced in your own life, you know, early in marriage or midway through marriage, or perhaps you've outlived your husband or outlived your wife, and you look back on these things, but you realize the best is yet to come. And when I die, I'm going to go to heaven or else maybe the rapture is going to come before then. And so take a look at Psalm 37. Go ahead and open there with me. And we're going to break this Psalm down into looking backward and looking forward. And this is really an old man's advice to young people. And uh, in Psalm 37, verse 24, we kind of have the midway point of this Psalm. And in this, he's talked about being young. He's talked about being old. And listen, there's a section of this Psalm that really is more dedicated to looking back and a section of this Psalm to looking forward. But honestly, there are also mixed in there all types of diversions back and forth, back and forth to the young, to the old. I once was young, now I'm old. And that's the verse we're going to start with. In Psalm 37, take a look at verse 24. David says, I once was young, now am I old. This is why I'm quoting from the King James because I like the way the King James says this. I once was young, now am I old. You realize something, the older you get, you can't go back and reclaim something. That's why the Bible says enjoy every day. Follow the Lord every day. Live each day as if it's gonna be the only one you have left and learn from it, glean from it. I mean, milk that day for all you can get out of it and learn something. And all these experiences will help you as you get old and help you not only to run your own life, but also to help others. You know, a lot of times, one minister said one time, the man that actually started the church I pastored. And he said, youth is a disease. The older you get, the more well you become. Every day you're a little bit well, more well, a little bit more healed than you were the day before. And that's what he said about being old. Now, I wouldn't say that, you know, necessary that, that being old is your healing for everything that's wrong in your life. But I will say this, I wouldn't go back for anything. I mean, I often wish I had the strength I had when I was 17 or when I was 30. But you know what? The point of it is, I'm so glad I am my age. I'm so glad I I've learned all these things. And while other people are falling apart and fretting over everything, one of the key words that's gonna be found in this particular Psalm, verse after verse is fret not, fret not, fret not. And the point of it is, is that David is speaking to young people. And he tells them, I once was young. I used to be where you are, but now I'm old. 
but I can wrap it all in one simple phrase. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed or his children begging bread. Why are you so fearful about yourself? Why are you so fearful about the economy? Why are you so fearful about the changes we're seeing in our entire world around us as well as our own nation and your imagination's going wild? Are we gonna have enough food for all this? And David says, listen, I have been through famines. I have been through times of plenty. I have been through times of rebellion in my own government. I've seen other nations rise up against me, but I can simply tell you this, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. You see, fear often looks at yourself and then also puts the blame on your children. Well, I know I'm fearful, but you know what? I'm really more, I'm just so concerned about my children. This is what the first generation did in the wilderness. They said whenever they were going to face going in the promised land, and they said, oh, they're just giants. And on top, they, when they finally finished, they said, and we fear so much for our children. Well, the Bible says God was going to take care of them, bring them to a land of plenty, and your children would be blessed while they're there. But they use their children as an excuse. And oftentimes we do the same thing. Notice what David said. I once was young. Can't go back and do it again. I'm now old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or, or the children begging bread. I want to take that word seen. That's a very important word. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Oftentimes, as you talk to an older people, they may not talk about a scripture. They may not talk about something theological. They'll talk about what they have seen. They'll bring up their testimony. And the testimony is this. I have followed God all my life. And guys, I can tell you this. I can quote you all the scripture you want to, but I can simply tell you this. If you follow God and follow his word and follow his Holy Spirit, you too can come to the end of your life and say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. One thing I will say about the righteous being forsaken or their seed begging bread, it doesn't happen overnight. I've never had two instances in my life happen at exactly the same time and exactly the same way. When I taught at Rama Bible Training Center, there was a, a bunch of students that came in from uh, Canada and they came down and they had to have so much money to come in. They had to have at least a year's salary you know, in a bank before Canada would let them come and the United States would let them in. And so they did that so that, you know, if something came up, they had something to fall back on. Many of them had jobs, but as long as this was in the bank, that's what the government was looking for. Well, these kids got there that year and all of a sudden the economy began to turn around in the United States and it began to go, you know, south. It began to go bad and prices started going up everywhere. And the, most of those kids found out, I really only have enough of the bank to go through half a year, not for a full year. In Inflation got bad that time, and I mean, this is this was you know we had some pretty liberal leaders in our nation, and so Canada began to say we're going to have to pull you back because you're running out of money down there, and so they began to look for jobs, they began to look for it, but you know what? They couldn't get a job, not without being an American citizen. So it really was tough on them all the way around. And I remember they came up in class, and we prayed for them, and they simply we, we quoted scripture, and they took and they cast all their burden on the Lord. And the Bible says, cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. And we heard praise reports of the most incredible thing. And one couple said they went out to get the mail one day and they saw an envelope in there, opened it up, and there was a check written to them. And it was more than enough to fill in the blanks in their life and bring them back up to the point where they could stay for an entire year. You know what they said, though, after that was really interesting. They said, now, every time some financial need comes, we run out to the mailbox and open it up. I will tell you this, God Rarely, or I'll say this, God never meets your need in exactly the same way. God has such a vast knowledge, understanding, great wisdom, that next time it could come a totally different way. I like what one minister said one time, you might even have a dog come to the door 
with a sack around its neck and you open it up, it's filled with money and it says to Bob from God with love. God can send it through a dog if he has to, but you know what? I really don't care how he gets it to me. He's gonna get it to me. And God, use your vast imagination and come up with so many different ways. I once was young, now am I old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. I can guarantee you what David said then is still true today because the afflictions of life are still many. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. My God is a delivering God. Tomorrow we're gonna take up from there. We'll talk about the fact that this was really written to, to young people where David said, I once was young, now my old. He's given advice to young people and the common thread through the whole thing is fret not yourself. Don't get overwrought over things and get into worry over things because God will come through. And there's going to come in your own time in your own life, you're going to look back and say, you know what? I got. I used to fret every time some news came and I don't do that anymore. God has always supplied for me. Well, we will see you tomorrow. Have a good day. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.